celebrating success, learning from legends, and growing poppies. This is Talk Poppy Talk with Grace Lewis. Kia ora and welcome to Tall Poppy Talk. Angela Strang is a self-made multimillionaire, property investor, and real estate developer with 10 properties and an ever-growing, ambitious story ahead of her. I'm so intrigued to dive into it. She was 2015 NZ Landlord of the Year, retired at age 34, and is also diving into content creation where she shares her personal plus professional advice on a variety of topics, but in particular, property investment. She is a property mentor and an absolute rags to riches success story. Angela, you are remarkable in many, many ways, and I'm so honored to have some of your time today. So first question is where and how are you today? Ah, great. Yeah, I'm in, in the cargo <laughs> at our local chamber of commerce. Um, it's a lot better than being out on the farm where I live because you might hear farm dogs barking in the background. <laughs> and right, yeah. Oh, I love it. What so what brings you off the farm into like the Chamber of Commerce today? That sounds pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I um, have two days a week where my boys are in daycare. So this is technically my day off where I, I don't have to be a mum. So I just like to come into town and do jobs without the kids and um yeah, whatever comes up, going out for lunch with a friend today. Um yeah, that sort of thing. Oh brilliant. So that you just squeeze in podcast episode here and there just uh that is fantastic and something that is really evident if you're following you online and as I said content creator there's even though I'm not like fully in that world of property investment I just enjoy going through you have such an enthusiastic positive outlook on sometimes topics that scare some people like oh property investment uh real estate all that can seem a little bit jargony and you really simplify it and kind of remove that barrier to entry so thank you um on that though I mentioned and we had discussed before we started recording there is this rags to riches story and very impressive work ethic that you've had and super intentional you didn't just stumble into the position you're in now from a seriously young age you started like building a portfolio and even maybe you didn't know it was building a portfolio then but Uh, rather than me dive into it could you please kind of tell your story what led you to where you are now and has there been any pivotal moments or mentors along the way yeah certainly so um yeah I guess growing up um yeah there was a lot of yucky stuff before age six I'll start when I was six um yeah so then that was when the the time that my mum left um, the relationship and we went to Women's Refuge. I think we were there for five nights or five days and then effectively we were homeless. So we lived in my grandparents' two-bedroom unit. So we had one room for me and my two brothers and my mum. So my brothers and my mum lived on two single beds pushed together and then I was on the lie on the floor all in that one room. Um, can't remember how long that was for and then we got a house sitting opportunity so my friend's um, sorry my mum's friend was going to Disneyland with her child who was my friend at school I was so jealous so that was my first I guess glimpse of me being <laughs> wanting to cut down a little poppy or you know wanting to be um, able to go to Disneyland like my friend um, and all these notes all over her toys saying don't touch this don't touch that Anyway, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of trauma um, as a child, but I guess the main pivotal moment for me was growing up seeing my mum struggle, um, being a solo parent um, on the solo parents benefit, and quite often I'd hear her crying, um, and I just remember this one pivotal time where 
I heard her crying again and I went out, snuck out from my room, I was meant to be sleeping, and peered around the kitchen corner to see her crying over her budget book again. And I just thought, man, this is crap. <laughs> I went back to my room and I just remember that night specifically. I just sat down and I was like, I am never, ever going to be in that situation again when I am older, when I have children. I'm going to be rich. <laughs> I didn't know how I was going to be rich, but I just made, that was the biggest life goal I've ever had. And, and that was the time that I made it. Probably around maybe seven to 10, so, yeah, somewhere around that age. Um, yeah, and that, that has always um, stuck with me and um, has been the major driving force to get to where I am today. And yeah, I feel really stoked that I have been able to become rich, you know, rich to me. Um, it's not a massive, like, I'm not, you know, earning a million bucks a year or anything, but um, I'm living the life that I want to live and don't have to work anymore, you know? Yeah, stoked. And rich, to your point, is a subjective thing, right? So maybe when you're younger and you're looking at that, rich can mean like security financial security food stability knowing where the next meal is and having those elements and I appreciate that you point out your own tall poppiness when you're little of oh I wish I was doing that or you do it manifests in many many ways and something that you I think yourself maybe you acknowledge how significant it is but to retire age 34 like I want to magnify a little bit how I know because I've I've done my homework but you go to you're in England you're in Australia and then you come back to New Zealand why did you feel that you needed to go away to come back in terms of career and hitting those goals um yeah just just the wages just getting ahead I knew that it wasn't really it's going to happen a lot slower if I took the traditional route of you know having a career in New Zealand so yeah after school I studied travel and tourism and business and then I became a travel agent but um I didn't just want to be a travel agent I wanted to own the travel agency because I thought well that's the way to get rich is to have a business or um yeah just looking at what rich people do so um but then the internet started taking over so I realized this wasn't really going to be a good business proposition so I thought well um some of the things that were on my bucket list were obviously to travel and another one was actually to go and drive tractors because I wanted to prove that girls could do it too. We had a lot of guys from school that would go to America and UK and um, Australia and do that. So I thought, actually, I'll, I'll have a go at that. That was one, one thing on my bucket list, but also I knew that it paid good money. So I thought, well, stop this. I'm just going <laughs> to go and earn my good money now um, and get to travel. So I, yeah, that's what I did. And that's how I got my first house deposit. Um, yeah, came back, built a house, lost 30 grand, went back over, um, then I heard about the mining industry, so I went over and worked in the mines for six and a half years, and that's sort of how I started to build up my portfolio, um, and it was over there that I sort of was able to calculate how many properties I needed to be able to retire, so I needed, yeah, so how long I wanted to keep working in the mines before I'd be prepared to move home, um, so that I knew I could reach that goal, the biggest lifetime goal I've ever had. Yeah, and that goal, in terms of retirement, it was so you could have a passive income, like you knew that that would keep going and the the lesson the 30 grand lesson that you're lucky you you say or you have said in the past you're lucky you learned it on the first property unfortunately but basically right you you hear you you trust the wrong people maybe to and not on you that's not on you you should be able to trust people but um the house got trashed your first property 
was not in a good oh, yeah, it was a second probably. Again. <laughs> I lost the on the first one because I didn't um I got a prenup drawn up but I didn't get it signed. So yeah, I lost 30 grand on that. That was actually gonna be more of a house I was gonna live in, but I never did. Um and then yeah, that second house was yeah, the house that got completely trashed. But yeah, totally happy that it happened on my first one. A lot of friends and family said, sell up, you know, don't invest in property. It's um a bad idea, you're better off to put your money in the bank. But I knew, I was like, well, I can get through this. I can get through anything. I learned my two ma massive key lessons from that. And I think um, that's been a key thing in property. Sometimes things don't go right. Sometimes you don't know. Um, a tenant might be fine at the start and then things can change. And I think you've just got to um, be aware of the worst case scenario, but not throw your hands up in the air and walk away when you get something like that. Just learn from it and, and move on because you do grow so much more through those bad times. That's very tangible advice I'm always listening thinking there's some parts where people are nodding along going yeah and then something like that where people need to hear it maybe for me I need to hear it Alva yeah things aren't going to go your way necessarily but it's how you respond and what lessons are you going to take away from that and to your point of experiencing it early on uh it's, it's probably benefited you more like, exponentially on every subsequent house since oh, wow for me right I get and my mind goes in so many ways on where I where I want to ask you of another big one right you're in the mines in Australia and I've heard that yeah it's a really great place to make money and you had that goal of well when I hit this amount then that's when, when I'm going to return to New Zealand did you find it difficult though when you hit it to be like oh maybe I'll give it another year like how how can you walk away from that situation you're in uh, it all came down to numbers and I think when I first started mining I absolutely loved it and then later on it was just more I was just there for the money so for like that last two or three years oh probably yeah last two years I was sort of I was just waiting you know to get the, the money that I needed to come home so I could I could take that financial pressure off I guess the whole reason for um for doing that is because it comes back to that goal and I just I didn't know who I, I was single at the time I didn't know what partner I was going to have and I just saw what happened to my mum and I thought gosh if I ever end up in that situation where I need to leave my husband or um or even you know a house scale or something like that happen I want to be secure um, but but mainly for what I saw my mum go through um yeah I wanted to make sure that would never be an issue for me it would never be um a, a major massive pressure and a massive stress like it was for her um so yeah, it was just about the money in those um, last couple of years. Um, I wasn't tempted to stay longer. I, um, yeah, so I was in Australia um, just swimming laps in the pool and I thought, um, gosh, all I've got to do, I've got four properties now. All I've got to do is double that. I've got to have eight properties um, to have that passive income to be able to not ever work again. So I then I calculated from there, how much longer do I need to work in the mines before I'll have enough to buy those extra four properties and come home to New Zealand. And it just so worked out that it was September 2014, which also worked out when I was when I had worked three years for Rio Tinto. So I got my three-year bonus from them. <laughs> so it was like just perfect. I was like, yep, perfect. Well, that's the date. That's the date. I'm moving home. And um, I was definitely um, just so focused from that point onwards when I, I had that goal. I, it made it a lot easier to last out that last couple of years of mine. And you do, you do get tired of of it after a while oh, it's big hours and a lot of flying but yeah once you have that goal you're just motivated to get there yeah having a goal in mind and checkpoints of how to get there I can imagine when you're looking downstream that's a good way to okay I'm hitting I'm hitting these milestones you do need to just keep the grind up and celebrate those little 
well, not little, but like each time you buy a house, instead of thinking, oh gosh, I need to double it, let's do one more, which is huge in and amongst itself. And the crux question I want to dive into, because I feel like our conversation's going to head there, is this tall poppy syndrome, right? Someone as yourself, a tall poppy, absolutely setting a wildly ambitious goal and going, I'm going to do it, and just, in my eyes, relentlessly pursuing it. And now you're sharing that with other people because from your story, it's like, let me share that with others. So you're, you're naturally growing more poppies. That's just what you do. But could you please describe in your own words what tall poppy syndrome is and how you've experienced it or interacted with it? Yeah, absolutely experienced it. Um, I guess I have probably quite a different view on it now than I did uh, in the earlier days. I probably found it a lot harder um, at the start when I was doing really well and I'd started talking about you know, I've just bought another property. I've got a lot of flack in those early days. Um, and it used to bother me, but now it does not bother me at all. Um, yeah, I've certainly learned through that process. But yeah, I'll describe tall poppy syndrome as achieving and then someone now seeing your achievement and wanting to cut that down. But I kind of see tall poppy syndrome as not, it's not the tall poppies who have the syndrome. It's kind of more the little pansies who have the syndrome because they they want to get tall but they can't be bothered getting tall or they don't have the motivation to get tall whatever reason um, and that's why they they don't like that, that gap in between and um, I kind of try to pull it down <laughs> okay love it going into more social media because that's something you, you're building a lot of credibility and reputation online you didn't need to do that you'd already hit your own goals what inspired you or kind of motivated you to think oh I'm actually going to share this with others and inherently put yourself more out there yeah a few reasons um one is because through uh, the whole tall poppy syndrome um situation I've realized that there are certain people that I'm not just going to go out and say oh blah 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 I did this or I did that because I know that they don't want to hear it. it's hard for them to hear that um, because it makes them feel like oh gosh I haven't achieved my goals in my life so it's a great way for me to share with only the people who want to hear it. Only the people who want to hear it will follow you. And that's the one thing I really love about Instagram. Um, and my Instagram account is just for people who want to follow the property side of things. Whereas on my personal Facebook, I won't share. Um, at the odd time I will, but I won't be sharing like day to day what I'm up to. Because <laughs> um, otherwise it probably gets a bit too much for everyone else. <clears throat> yeah, so I love it for that reason that you can share. I love it for the um, connecting with other people who are doing property in the industry as well. And then the reason that I stopped the, um, doing mentoring is because I was always getting people coming and saying, hey, can I take you for a coffee? I want to pick your brains. It was just constantly, I want to pick your brains. I want to pick your brains. Um, but I just, with having children now, I just don't have the time. So I just literally started charging for that as a way of, um, I only get some people who are super motivated and you know we're going to use that information, which is great. Um, and also the third reason is I think that, you know, if I was to, get hit by a bus tomorrow I'd be gutted that I didn't pass on the information and the learnings that I have learned and what I've done along the way there's no good um in keeping what you know to yourself I just think that does not make the world a better place um you're better off to share share that because you've achieved something doesn't mean that other people can't or sorry if other people achieve something it doesn't mean that you it's going to take away from your success that, that would be great if everyone else also got the success that I got it doesn't mean that I've achieved any less than what I I've achieved um, what I've achieved is great and I'm happy with that I don't need to achieve any more than what I've got now so why not help others also get to that goal if that's what their goal is too 
And that ties to what you said before about like often the tall poppies aren't the ones chopping other tall poppies down. It's the pansies. Um, I giggle. I don't, I've just not heard that word in the longest time. But on that, do you think other tall poppies, uh, yeah, is there a fear or like a greediness sometimes? Do you see in maybe like the property investment world where like there's only a certain amount of houses? Like I know there's many in New Zealand, but like if someone's gunning for a house, is there like how does competitiveness like balance out with wanting others to succeed is that something you ever think about I don't I feel like it's actually a really positive um, environment actually and I think because maybe everyone else sort of experiences that as well that you can't really talk about it your friends and your family just it just goes above their head they just can't comprehend it whereas if you're connecting with others through the Instagram like through you know other people through social media um it's great because it's sort of a positive it's people that you can talk to about it or like hey did you see this deal I mean I've had somebody the other day that said I posted something about making an offer on a block of units and they messaged me and said oh I wonder if it's the same block that I did I'm like yeah pretty sure it is <laughs> anyway it ended up being them and it's great because then you can discuss oh how much did you you know they said oh how much did you pay or how much did you offer um and yeah it's quite cool because you can kind of see you know what other people are doing um bounce ideas off other people um whereas i guess if it's in the normal marketplace you don't know what other people are bidding on for certain properties so it really probably helps to know what the market's doing and and what things are worth so no i don't see it as a, i definitely think there's enough room for everybody differently um yeah it's just the more that we're sharing it a bit more now on social media definitely and like i mentioned in the beginning uh kind of removing those barriers to entry brad olson who was on the podcast also similar to you in the sense that all this kind of economic technical jargon that personally for me i don't really know about but i love that there are super digestible reels on instagram that i can come across and i'm like oh what's angela say about this or what's brad say about this and so removing those barriers to entry and just kind of making it a part of regular discussion i think benefits everyone in the long run and and that in turn benefits like society community all of that so it's pushing up and having instagram to your point i think a lot of people struggle with maybe bad influences because they're following things that aren't making them feel better but to your point you can kind of weed that out and then just have a really positive feed of educational or motivating or just kind of yeah positive um positive influences on your on your feed yeah definitely that's what it's all about eh? <laughs> we're pretty safe well, we're just going on about oh don't buy property because <laughs> trying to put people off <laughs> <It'd be awful. laughs> no and you mentioned too like you went into the property mentoring because of so many people reaching out do you ever get a little bit nervy about giving advice or are you just so confident in what you know now like i, I clearly coming from someone who doesn't know a lot i'd be like well, I'd be nervous to tell someone to, oh, like I'd invest in this time and then maybe it doesn't work out. Like, do you ever get nervous about mentoring? No, I think, um, I guess I've always had people asking me. So I've been, I've been giving out free advice for a long time um, and I would just charge for it. But now, now that I do charge for it, I do make people sign a document that says I'm not an authorised financial advisor. So they can't come back to me and say, well, you told me this, you know. So I can I can guide them, but it's usually more around doing the numbers and working out what's going to work best for them in their situation. So although it's not really so much me giving my opinion, on, oh, I think you should do that or do this. It's more going through, okay, what, what properties do you own now? How much are the mortgages? Can we 
you know, like if somebody's already got a couple of properties, we can go through and see um, if we swap that out for something else or is there something else they're looking at doing, what's going to um, ultimately get them the best cash flow. Um, I've never sort of focused on capital gains um, so much because they're just a bonus to what I um, get. I've always focused on that cash flow because that's what I, I wanted to replace my income so I could retire. So um, it's more people who are wanting um, to, to build their cash flow up or build their passive income up. Yeah. Oh, excellent. And this is probably the only property related question I will ask and feel free not to answer. But what is your what are your thoughts on if someone wants to buy property with someone else um and I know like often couples might buy together but sometimes you see like siblings or friends if it was you advising and again very general would you advise against or towards or are there certain maybe like questions you should ask yourself before you invest in property with someone else yeah good question a lot of people ask me about um joint ventures would you do a joint venture personally no um joint ventures work well if you've got somebody who's got a lot of time um that can do the flips or um, manage the properties or somebody who um and then the other person that's got a lot of money you know but doesn't have a lot of time so that's where it can work well um but personally you know i do have the time nowadays and i do have you know like i don't need any extra money to buy to do anything so um personally no but um if somebody was starting out then that could be a good idea um but i would be very very cautious i have seen over time a lot of joint ventures um get really sour and yeah um not go so well but i think yeah if it's someone that you trust i'd also particularly if it's someone that you trust i would still get a, a legal document drawn up because things can change and money can change people and um, all your situations can change. Um, just having all those scenarios booked out, you know, what if one person wants to travel overseas and who's going to cover the mortgage? All those scenarios need to be laid out on the table straight away and, and signed, I think, if I was going to do it, starting again. Very good advice. And your same point about getting people to sign, like you're not a authorised financial advisor. It's just like acknowledging all of the possibilities because in an ideal situation, it's, happy days and everything goes smoothly but especially when we're dealing with money and investment not necessarily the case all the time so pays to be thorough very interesting because that's a thought that I think some of people my age I'm about to turn 25 um, and people are probably thinking in New Zealand I can't buy a house by myself or invest in a house maybe I'll go into that joint venture and the way you kind of pointed there to some good questions you can ask yourself if you were going to go into that, I also wanted to ask you in terms of career and journey and everything, you had mentioned at the beginning, I want to go drive tractors and then I want to go to the mines and you had some really like pivotal moments in the timeline, I would say, of what guided your next step. So to take that back and be a bit more generic, how do you make decisions and are there any guiding values during that process? Well, I'm a really terrible person at saying no. I literally am one of those people that will open up all of the doors and walk through all of them until I get to a point where I've got too much going on and then I have to shut some of them. <laughs> I just see opportunities everywhere. I mean, if I don't have children, if I was, say, if I was 10 years ago, I would still see so many opportunities. I'd start this business, that business. Like, there is so many opportunities out there. And I just think, I guess, I don't know, is my brain wired that way? Or is it just that I want to always, yeah, that's probably the issue that I have nowadays is saying no. Like, I don't need to do all these things that come up. And it's, yeah, I, I really struggle with um, saying no to things. But yeah, so I've never been really good at making decisions at all. I've just said yes and then got to situations where I've had to say no. 
later on. <laughs> like, for example, I um, I was working full time and I came back to New Zealand and a, a milk factory was getting built in Gore, where I lived. And um, I started offering accommodation, like, so do, you know, do a rental. Oh, sorry, I was doing um, property management as well because people started asking me to manage their properties after winning the landlord of the year. So I had property management. I think I had 33 or 38 houses I was managing as well as my own. And uh, this was sort of maybe that was building up just after I had to quit my job, obviously, at some point because um, I just couldn't keep up with everything. And then I had um, I was, had 17 house lots of furniture that I was, I was kind of like Mr. Rentals and Gore, renting to these um, contractors who because <laughs> I could see opportunities. Well, these guys are going to need somewhere to live and they're not going to want to go and have to find all their furniture. How about I just hire it to them? And then what I started, oh, commercial cleaning at the milk plant because I started offering to, you know, clean their houses. And then because I knew from um, working in the mining industry, when you're working on projects, everything gets covered by the company. You're not going to um, have to clean your own house when you're working those huge hours. So um, that turned into then doing a big, massive commercial um, clean at the, at the milk plant and something else. Um, oh, home staging as well, because another investor saw me um, staging my flats and said, oh, can you stage mine? And then I was like, oh, why don't I just do this? <laughs> um, this is um, the most fun part about renovating. So um, that turned into a business as well. So I had these four businesses and I was working full time and then it just got too much I had to quit my job obviously and then all of those I was really scared of failing I wasn't scared because by then I had I was financially free I had enough that I didn't have to worry about working but I was worried about failing I was worried about you know what happens if I quit my job and this, this business fails and then people will be like oh she quit her job to go and do this business and it didn't work out but man after a month I remember writing up my on my whiteboard all the like different <laughs> extra jobs I had on and everything and I was like what the heck was I worried about like every four of those businesses were just um because I had the extra time to dedicate to them were just growing and growing and then I had to just decide what I was going to pull back on and and then I just decided to focus on the home staging because um yeah uh, that was the, the my favorite part so um yeah I guess it's just a case of yeah, I've never made good decisions. I've just sort of rolled with the punches, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm hearing everything you say and I'm absorbing it. And then my like marketing brain's coming back at you. I'm like, no, I think, and I want to, uh, you to appreciate, you think you're not good at making decisions. No, all I'm hearing is you are constantly scanning on, on the lookout for opportunities, but also like running an analytical check in the background constantly. Like when it got to that point of, okay, this is too much let me analyze what part needs to go in that instance it was the formal job because you had these other things you could pursue that you had passion in so yeah it's like the guiding decisions if I were to interpret for you is like always looking out for opportunities be willing to notice trends jump on them and kind of back yourself and it sounds like too that experience with the tall poppy was like yeah what if you've quit your job and then this venture fails well sometimes you just have to back yourself and go into that and like you said within a month you're like oh what was I doing what was I thinking of it worked out but there was still that inkling in the back of your brain of like oh what are other people going to say so was that at the point when you were still probably conscious of what other people were saying or maybe weighing in or was that kind of what tipped you over into like I'm doing my thing and I and I know it's going well yeah, I think I still wasn't in that stage of, um, I guess, being very of tall poppy syndrome back then. It was probably only maybe two or three years ago that I, I kind of, uh, flipped, kind of switched for me. So 
I guess the tool poppy that I've, um, ex well, there's been a lot of tool poppy um, that I've experienced. Like, for example, when a newspaper rings you up and you do an article and then just like, whoa, you see all these like negative comments on the feeds. <laughs> Some of them are so funny. It's like, you've got no idea. Yeah, so there's that, that, that kind of stuff, which doesn't worry me one bit because those are people who've got no, they don't know me. They don't know the ins and outs. They've only just read a small snippet of my whole life, you know? Um, then but the ones that did sort of affect me most were um, the people that were closest to me. Like I remember a really close family member um, when I was back in Australia working in the mines and I bought them property number two and three or number three and four in quick succession. Like quite, um, I came back from my break and I was like, hey, guess what? I've just bought two more properties. Like, it's people like you that are going to make us not be able to afford a house when we move <laughs> and I was just like whoa okay that was totally not the reaction I was thinking I thought they'd be excited for me happy for me that I um, had achieved this you know um but it was like oh what you're doing that's bad you know <laughs> so that really threw me um and I guess from that point I I never up until that point I never probably experienced or poppy until that point with my investing sort of career and then from then I sort of it made me think oh I should be a wee bit worried about who I tell now um, but at the same time, I, it was only sort of a couple of people, you know, sort of quite close, you know, that, I mean, there's a lot of people that are quite close that just, um, it's not that they're not happy for you, it's just that they just can't comprehend the maths of it and how all that works, it just sort of flies over their head. Whereas with some people, um, there has been quite a bit of, I didn't realise what it was until later on, like I'd be continually frustrated, like why is, I'd say to some of my best friends, like, this person so negative towards me they never asked me anything like you know you'd ask them oh how's your work going but they never asked me how was my business going you know back then you know I had my business oh how's your business going like there was nothing reciprocal like that I remember going on a round the world trip um part business part um so, you know visiting my brother and stuff and um cut back and it was like oh how was your trip because it's like they didn't want to know but they just <laughs> felt that they had to ask and it's that kind of stuff and I was like why are they like that and, you know I really I was like why I just couldn't understand why are they so negative about the positive things in my life but then they would always ask about the negative things that were going on in my life like they wanted to know that stuff and it wasn't until a couple of friends pointed out to me and said Angela actually they're actually really jealous of you and I was like oh shivers okay you know like that really it just like a switch I was like shivers okay so it's actually hard it's not that they're not happy for me. Maybe they are happy for me, but it's just that they find it hard to hear of all the success when they aren't um, a particularly motivated person themselves and can't um, get to the things that they probably want to do. So mm -hmm. now that I realize that, it's been a massive game changer for me because now I actually, instead of feeling frustrated with people like that, I feel sorry for those people. I feel like, oh, I wish I could help them achieve their goals. And so I never talk to them about, I never say anything about what I'm doing unless they ask, which is, they don't. <laughs> but it doesn't bother me at all. And now I just carry on as if, you know, still asking them about their life and trying to help them and what they're doing. You know, I, yeah, it just, it's not an issue anymore. So I think it's been a really big um, learning for me. And um, yeah, I'm stoked that I finally figured that one out. <laughs> Oh, and I think that's actually a really important lesson to kind of end on in a sense of like, yeah, the tall poppy, it's the one sometimes closest to you, actually most of the time closest to you that are going to cut deeper because you feel like you know someone and then like, why aren't they happy for me? But to your point, it is jealousy, which in some ways is like, oh, I'm I'm doing a good thing then. Like if someone's 
jealous is that is that good but the whole point of the tall poppy talk is like actually instead of harboring feelings of jealousy encouraging people to ask which they might not always want to but there's so many people through your instagram platform through the property mentoring that in one world might be jealous but instead they go like angela actually can i get some of your time can i invest in time if they're if they're scheduling like a formal property mentoring session to learn from you and in that way relating back to your response to tall poppy syndrome it's not a net zero sum game like we can actually all experience success and that's why I really was interested when you were saying in the property game like oh yeah people are curious what you're offering this and that because I thought oh well maybe surely when there's only limited houses there's some negativity there but no because you're surrounded by people who are as passionate about property investment as you are which is probably quite cool and the power of the internet has amplified that no doubt is there anything we haven't discussed because there is a lot in your personal and professional story but anything I didn't ask that you feel like actually I really want to speak to that or kind of share this piece of wisdom just anything I didn't ask that you'd want to talk about um I would just say um yeah I guess yeah what we just talked about before is like that biggest sort of lesson I've learned with tool coffee is to not worry about what other people think and just carry on doing what you're doing um but be wary of feeling sorry for them but like I mean you can still do everything you're doing and if if they want to ask if they want to know more and want to um have help with what they're doing they can ask that and I think if they don't well I'm sorry but that's just their loss you know like you you are there you can um help them but if they just want to continue being jealous and that's fine like I think just don't worry about it just just let it go and just um carry on doing what you're doing because you can waste a lot of energy I think worrying about those people um whereas if you just carry on yeah you'll just keep succeeding even more and that is someone who you're literally an investor like a property manager investor so you know where to put your energy in the right places and to cut your losses when you need to so that is a personal and I feel like vocational bit of advice there so (laughs) thank you and the last question I always have to ask so silly so trivial compared to everything else but if you had to have just one meal for the rest of your life breakfast lunch and dinner what is it going to be uh eggs benedict with salmon (laughs) that's a good one is there a particular spot in gore or southland anywhere like in new zealand that does it the best in your mind at home (laughs) so we've got uh you know free range eggs at home and then um we've got this amazing place like salmon from Stewart Island it's beautifully like cold smoked slices of salmon oh they're on top a couple of English muffins and the hollandaise sauce like the one there's a specific wrap that I really like you <laughs> that's just I, that, is what you <laughs> that just shows the difference for me I'm like where do you go to get that and you're like oh I raise you I make it at home that sounds <laughs> really is there a drink that accompanies it your coffee gal like anything like that no, I don't even drink coffee or tea. Um, hot chocolate, if I go out anywhere. <laughs> okay, let's... Like, oh, look, we go for coffee, but it's hot chocolate. <laughs> yeah, I was like, let's zoom in on that for a second because I'm fascinated by people who don't drink coffee. Are you just naturally super energized or how, where do you get that from? Oh, I do I do have an addiction to chocolate. <laughs> so probably <laughs> hot chocolates or like, you know, just like chocolate in general or... Um, yeah it's probably where I got but I've just never got into it I never had it as I guess a young person and I just 
don't really like the taste. It's kind of a bit like smoking. Had, had a wee go of that. I'm like, oh, that's not very nice. I won't do that. <laughs> yeah, not for you. No, brilliant. And I think too, I just got onto caffeine because it was like, felt like an adulting step. And then you're drinking it and you're like, maybe not always the best for me but you fall into those habits so I love when I hear people who are like no no tea or coffee I'm sticking to hot chocolates are fantastic so that is a great choice eggs benedict and hot chocolate Angela there was so many things I could have asked you about today and for any listener please to follow you and I'll ask you to please give your handle and just the best way people can contact you because in terms of property mentoring and management and investment and all those brilliant things, you really are like an industry expert. And thank you. I, I love that I had the time to talk to you about Tall Poppy and ask kind of no property related questions, but where can people find you? Uh, so the handle on Instagram is financially free underscore by 33. Or just, I think if you search Angela Strain, it might come up. Yeah. Yes. Um, there's lots of different articles out there as well. I just hope people can take away as much as I have from talking with you today. It's it's really an inspiration and it's making me look at my budget books a little bit closer. So thank you for joining Tall Poppy Talk today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Tall Poppy Talk. We'll see you next time. Feel free to check us out on socials, YouTube and the website. Thanks for today's guest.